You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike with the Fin Fans Podcast. Uh, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about rebuilding, and with me I've got uh, Daniel Reinhardt and Jim Johnson. What's up, Fin Fans? Hello all! And uh, we're going to get the show started here. Uh, we're going to talk, as I said, about rebuilding. We kind of uh, touched the subject a little bit last week at the close of the show, and we, we talked about the two methods teams are using now to rebuild and and basically it's very simple teams that have a highly paid quarterback are going to have weaknesses and they and they build around that quarterback as best they can within the remaining cap money teams that draft rookie uh, quarterbacks and as long as they have them on that rookie deal they're at an advantage because they've got you know 25 30 million extra dollars to uh, spend at other positions. So usually you'll see those teams have stronger offenses like the Rams and uh, Kansas City because they have money to to pay more players. So, you know, either one of those philosophies works. Now, in, in our situation, we're, we're probably going to be in the latter camp because uh, we should be drafting a quarterback and everybody's saying, uh, you know, take this kid Murray now. And then that's not really a good idea, at least in my opinion, because you want to have that contract work for you. And if you take Murray before you get this team ready to compete, you're doing yourself a disservice because the years are going to go by and you're going to lose that portion of his rookie contract. So the longer you can wait to get that quarterback, the better off you are and the longer your team will be uh, in the playoff hunt if you do things correctly, you know, uh, from a personnel management standpoint. Uh, Guys, uh, how, how, what have you read? What are you thinking? Yeah, Mike, it's a, it's definitely a catch twenty two. We wanna, we everybody wants to have that great quarterback come right in, but like you mentioned, that's that's going to accelerate the whole prog program as far as your cap numbers, and you know he's going to be set for his big contract before the team is ready. So. To me, I'm I'm con- I'm confident that we wait till 2020 to select your franchise quarterback. Uh, it gives you this year's draft and the remainder of next year's draft to try to build your team. With that said, the you know the 2020 draft has more quarterbacks coming out. You know, it's deeper in quality, so your chances are better. Uh, there's rumor. And talk about well, it could they could wait till 21 to grab a quarterback, and that has its merits as well. It's it's a little bit hard to swallow, but realistically, we've got this 2019 draft, and we've got a lot of holes to fill on the offensive line and the defense in general. You know, we got probably a whole new plan on defense, so you, you know, there's going to be a lot of moving pieces. So one draft, say we get. Uh, seven rounds say we get eight picks or something this draft half of those probably won't be starters so real not initially anyway. yeah well that's right. what i'm saying you know you, anything past the first and second rounder you, you really don't have much you, your odds are stacked against you as far as them being impact players but you know it's it's a catch-22 you know we've got rashad jones and and Xavier howard that are getting 
you know, one's already getting big bucks and the other's going to demand big bucks. Uh, those types of players are hard to to keep part of the plan when it skews your cap numbers like that. Well, that's that's why you're going to have more rookies starting, I believe. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Daniel, what do you think? Yeah, so I want here in just a bit. I want to lay out kind of my idea, guys, for uh, what a plan would look like for the, for the rebuild. And you know, uh, it's not completely original. I, I I've done some reading and some some watching some videos here recently about what a what a an effective rebuild looks like. But as far as what you're talking about with the cap number and a quarterback who's getting paid um, a large portion of the cap versus a, a young guy, uh, say. For everybody who is wanting Kyler Murray this year, I can understand why. Because They're impatient. Well, there's there's a part of it being impatient. Uh, you know, we've we've suffered with uh, with another quarterback under the helm for a long time. But let's put it in perspective this way: if if Kyler does perform at a higher than mediocre standard, but let's say he gets injured or uh, any any number of things can happen, and then next year and the year after that we draft pro bowl guys in the second or third rounds it's going to make it a lot harder to pay those guys and keep those guys um for example like an xavian howard this year um if we drafted one of those players again it'd be harder to keep those guys that we draft and coach up by having a quarterback who is getting paid right before they do right so um my idea or my thought process is a lot is basically exactly like you're saying. Uh, we need to build this team first before we get a quarterback that is going to be our franchise guy. Now, that's not saying that we don't need to draft one this year because I do think we we need to draft one. Well, we need more than one quarterback. We need backups. And and we need to draft one probably every year. There's, a, there's another team in, in our division who has been known for drafting a quarterback every year. And, and they believe have an it or not... Kind of like uh, Jim, right? They now, do, it. yeah. Stop they they kind of reside somewhere around Jim, and uh, we've got a coach coming over from that program who knows what that looks like. Where you got a guy coming in who's a backup, but uh, a successful backup, believe it or not, because um, they can come in and and work the plan that the team has. So I think we draft somebody this year, but it's not going to be in the first round, guys. Uh, not if not if I had anything to say about it. And I think that the vision these guys have right now is going to be similar to that as well. I, I do too. I don't think this is a one-year rebuild. I, people that have that in their heads need to get over it. They they need to forget about that. It's you know Absolutely. it's been thirty-one years wow. since we were in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's so if it takes a little longer than a year, you got to understand why. Yeah, I need to I need to go <laughs> back onto what I was just saying earlier. Um, you know, we, we talked, you know, you mentioned you know, Kyler Murray, Daniel, and everybody wanting to be excited about, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell or whoever, whatever big ticket uh -huh. name. And Antonio, Antonio Brown. Brown and, it, and it's fantastic. Yeah. They're, they're great big names and they're very exciting and it gives you a reason as a fan to be excited. So I get it. And this whole tanking thing or rebuilding thing isn't palatable to people. So, so they, they grab on to anything that's exciting. But, you know, you start looking at signing players and you run around and you grab this guy here, that guy there, and you trade up in the draft. Uh, everything you're doing is, is a reach. When you sign free agents, normally you're overpaying. That's why they're a free agent. If, if right. their team isn't willing to sign them, 
there's only two reasons. There's a breakdown between the player and the team, or the guy wants too much money. And that's, the, that's how the whole NFL ticks now, is these players understand that someone will pay them. So the whole thought of having, you know, 10 Pro Bowl players on your team isn't, isn't realistic. It's not going to happen. I mean, you can look at the Dallas Cowboys. They, you know, they had one of the best offensive lines in football, and, and what good did it do them? So, you know, you can't continue to play all of these star players because it breaks your team down. And trading up, reaching for guys, all of that in general. You know, what Mike Tannenbaum has done over the last, you know, several years hasn't helped our team foundation. All it's done is deteriorate it bit by bit. So from here, you know, everybody's talking about who's available at number 13. And I'm like, I don't even care who's there at 13. Trade that pick down, get a couple more picks, and build this thing up. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta... You, you can't have the cream of the crop and and uh, have a successful team in general normally. Well, I, I think what they're going to have to do, I mean, obviously, you know, this is, it, it's finances, guys. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's finances. Wait a minute. Um, wait a minute. It's finances and it's also a juggling act. Right. Uh, because you, you have expenses that are coming due. You've got bills coming due, and you've got a, a lot for that. You've got Tunsil that's going to need a contract, and you have to have a plan there. You either have to have money to pay him, or you have to have a, a left tackle to replace him. So it requires planning. Um, and that's something we have not been very good at. No. Yeah, and the, the, the financial part is going to be something that – they're going to spend a lot of time looking at they're going to spend a lot of time working around and they're believe it or not they're going to spend a lot of time stressing and wringing their hands over because you nailed it Tunzel's going to need a contract you got Xavier Howard coming up you've already got Rashad Jones is like the third highest paid safety in the league and on top of that you got Juwan James coming up for a contract this year so there's going to be some of those guys that we're not going to see in a Miami uniform for very long I tell you that if I was the GM today, okay, I would have a list of names in my little black book or my computer or wherever it is. I keep my list of names of uh, people that have played their last down for the Dolphins. Uh, most of those people are going to be 27 years old or older. Players such as Cameron Wake, as much as I hate to say mm. it, uh, Danny Amendola, Ziggy Hood, Sam Young, Ted Larson, uh, Ryan Tannehill, and yes, Rashad Jones, uh, Bryce Butler, um, Brandon Bolden, Andre Branch, uh, Travis Swanson, Brock Osweiler, uh, Robert Quinn. All these guys are up in age. Uh, Kiko Alonso, uh, Spence. Walt Aikens, I might keep Aikens because he's really good on special teams. But the rest of these guys, I'm, I'm not interested because well, – go ahead. No, I'll let you finish your thought, and then I, I've got something for that. Because I'm looking two to three years down the road, okay? If these guys are 28, 29 years old, they're going to be over 30, 31 then. They're not going to help me. I want to get their contracts off the books. I want to eat that dead money now. So two and three years down the road, I'm in a great financial situation. I can pay out the contracts I need to pay out because I'm not paying a whole bunch of dead money. I've already done that. 
Yeah. You follow and, me? And absolutely. And it makes a hundred percent sense to me. And, and I was going to say the only caveat with those players or that list that you spoke of is uh, the financial situation, because some of those guys are not going to be a huge financial burden. You know, your Bryce Butler, your Brandon Bolden, some of the, the key. Uh, but they're not going to help me either. I'd rather put a developmental player in that spot and see if I can use him. I, I can get behind that as well. I just think that there are going to be some of these older veterans that are still going to be here because their financial situation is not such a stress on the team. I, I, I agree. Um, as much as it pains me to say it too. And friend of the podcast, Melissa story is going to, going to hate us for saying this, but, uh, Cameron wake has more than likely seen his last down as a Miami dolphin. And not only that, but we have seen that before with Jason Taylor, Jason Taylor is an all time Miami dolphin. Great. And he left and went to and Zach Thomas and Zach Tom. And, and we hate to see those things happen, but, but they have to, at some point, um, I have I I have basically four steps here, right, guys? That that we have to see through in order to see this rebuild to the best possible ending that we can have. And uh, I think number one is already taken care of at this point, and that's an owner and a GM that are working together in a shared vision, right? Number two would be extra draft picks, and there's a variety of ways to get those that we can talk about in just a moment. Uh, number three would be draft with that vision in mind and coach your players up. And number four, and this is only after you have all the other pieces in place, is QB. Obviously, we know QB is the most important position on the field, but he's not going to be able to do anything if we Sam Bradford him and throw him in front of a makeshift line like we have been with Tannehill. Yeah, I agree. We can't can't continue to do what we've been doing. And, Mike, you were talking about everybody 27 and older. I'm kind of somewhere in between your opinion and Daniel's there. You know, it, you're going to have some players that are that are quality guys that are reasonable guys. And we talked about the finances and the juggling act. So, we can't we can't flush But I'm looking I'm looking at the roster. I don't see anybody that's 27 years old that I'd be upset if they oh, left. I wouldn't. That would be uh, Akeem Spence, Sonoris Perry maybe, uh Walt Akins yep. maybe, yep. uh Jesse Davis maybe. Uh, Mike Hall, maybe none of those guys are guys you gotta have. You know oh no, I, mean? I understand. I wouldn't be upset if they were all gone either. But you know, there's only—I mean, do you do you actually cut all of those players, or do you keep you know twenty percent of those guys in position? Well, that's gonna yeah. that's gonna be determined in training camp because yeah. what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna bring in a bunch of undrafted free agents and I'm gonna let the best player play. You yeah, know, if yeah. they're the best player, they're probably gonna stay, but eventually they're gonna be replaced because of their age. Yeah, and this uh, that's assuming they're not big financial commitments, and none of those guys are, so that's not really an issue. Like Alonzo would be a different story. Alonzo would be adios. Yeah, well, I've I've did some research on some of our guys today. Uh, I was looking at Alonzo's contract because I was like, how painful is it going to be to cut, you know, get away from Alonzo? And, uh, you know, he's, Bite the yeah, I know he's, he's got a $8.3 million 2019 salary. And some of these guys also have uh, a March 14th or something. Uh, if they're on the team, then they get guaranteed money. They get a bonus, so, right? Come first of the new league, you know, you're probably going to see some stuff start to fly quickly because they don't want to have to pay those guaranteed numbers. But, you know, as, if we were to cut Alonzo or, or, you know, move him on, we'd have three and a half million in dead cap money. So, 
you know, you're saving almost $5 million by getting rid of a big liability in the middle of the field. So, you know, he's a goner to me. Uh, you said you talked about a list, and, and he'd be at the top if it was me. Uh, <laughs> Mike, you talked about... Town Hill's at the top. Well, that's a <laughs> yeah, given. He's, you, he's dead to me. <laughs> cut his ass. He's already gone. <laughs> Mike, you talked about none of these guys are gotta-have guys, and, and I, right. I agree with that, but I think there's a caveat here as well because some of these guys might be need-to-have guys. Now, I do think we're going to bring in a lot of young guys, a lot of free agents off the street, a lot of free agents through the draft. There's even the AAF now that is that is going to produce some talent that is going to come to NFL training camps. So we're going to see a lot an influx of young talent, at least at training camp. So that's a that's a bonus. And what I want to say here is that if any of the listeners are agreeing with what we're saying, like cut this dead money, these big contracts, Alonzo, Tannehill, you know, you got Andre Branch, you got Quinn, the, uh, there's a bunch of them. Quinn, absolutely. Yep. Rashad Jones, possibly. Uh, yep. Maybe having to say goodbye to Wake. Like if any of you are even potentially agreeing with us on this, what are we talking about? We're not talking about, uh, the contracts for now, we're not talking about what it's going to look like in 2019 for the Dolphins. So we've got to keep that in mind when we're drafting as well. Because for me, we, we can't draft just to fill a hole because we need a quarterback. We have to draft with the future in mind. Okay, because this is not just a, a team who needs a couple of pieces for next year's team to be able to make a playoff run. This is a team that needs a lot of pieces, a lot of young talent, a lot of guys who can be coached up into perennial all pros or what have you, even just valuable role fillers for the team to be successful in the future. So for me, not only do we have to cut this down money and think about the salaries for three years down the road like you said mike we've got to do the same thing in the draft and we've got to protect the passer rush the passer and we got to get those skill valuable role fillers well i mean a lot of people are going to be thinking well you know you don't need to let them go now they can they can go next year or the year after but the problem is then your dead money carries forward you see yep. that's the reason to get rid of a lot of these guys now you want to get their dead money off the books before you're ready to compete that way you've got all that money to put into your team speaking of dead money uh one of the players that's been a big controversial conversation lately has been rashad jones and uh -huh. you know he just had uh surgery on his shoulder again this is what his his uh -huh. third, Th his, third, time, third I his third shoulder injury issue in three years and he's 30 years old and he's gonna he's on the books for 17 million dollars for neck for this coming season big money and his cap hit is 12 million one hundred and thirty five thousand dollars to well rashad it's been real we appreciate everything yes. you've done for <laughs> and, us but we'd rather give your money to howard and, and that's that's <laughs> yeah. the thing so it, it is a big number to crunch because he's got money on the books, you know, eight million in 2020 and four million in 2021. And, you know, this is a thank you Tannenbaum thing again. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, he's, you know, in 2021, he'll be 33 years old. And we don't even know how good he will be this year coming off another shoulder injury. And Well, I'm sure when Tannenbaum signed that contract, he didn't expect him to still be here in 2020. That's true. That's true. But, you know, and just saying, you know, there's a lot of erroneous contracts that, I mean, it's just 
it's counterproductive. You know, we talk about those who can't be named and, and their their way that they go about things. This is why, because it it damages the team as a whole. You can't continue to do this type of thing. So if we can if we and if, you, if we can trade down or, or trade guys for some more draft picks and have a lot better selection in the draft, that moving forward that's that's huge. I mean, granted, they just they just don't have a lot of people with trade value. That's really the problem. It is. I mean, do you think somebody's going to trade for Kiko? Nah, I mean, I, I don't think so. Well, you, you never uh, know if may, they got maybe a late pick if they happen to have a big need and they can't fill it in the draft and they don't like whatever's available after the draft. Then maybe somebody comes uh, knocking. But I think if they go to uh, try and trade Kiko before the draft, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, right. Especially when he's got that clause in there where he's going to get uh, guaranteed monies come mid mid March. So he's probably going to get the yeah. axe. Yeah, there's just and- not a lot of these guys that I see that have a market. You know, I mean, obviously they could trade Tunsil, they could trade Howard. Do you want to do that? I don't know if you do or not. It really depends on what you're offered. And you know the there's a way the Xavier and Howard thing. I just want to touch on that really quick before uh-huh. I before we go. I forget or something. Uh, he's still in under contract for this year, so uh, unless he holds out or makes a stink, he he's still our guy. Uh, he's our and guy. And then yeah. the other thing to take into consideration is his his knees aren't good. He's had two procedures now to clean up meniscus and. When you, when you clean up a meniscus, you're actually removing part of it. So every time you do that, the meniscus gets wor- gets weaker and weaker. So, you know, do you cut your losses now and try to get a first-round draft pick out of it? Or do you keep him and pay a lot of money and have him not play half the season? So it's it's not an easy answer, you know, question to answer. Right. That's right. Now, I want to go back real quick to just talking about Rashad Jones. And, and if there's... Mm-hmm. I think the likelihood of Rashad being cut is really high. And the reason I say that is not just because of his contract. I mean, that's, that's probably the key component here. But if you look at the guy coming in as our coach, Brian Flores, he has coached safeties. He he was a safeties coach for a while and he coached that room with some guys who were role players. Okay. And we got a guy right now in Mika Fitzpatrick who can, who can take over in that backfield. Uh, but we'll also be able to find some guys who will play some roles. And I think Flores more than any other coach that would have been coming in this year can see that and know that he'll be able to get the most out of role players in that position. If we do indeed let Rashad walk. Now we're talking about Xavier Howard as well. Right. And we talked about the trade value of Kiko Alonso and the conversation has been there a lot about the trade value of Tannehill. And we are talking about, like, are we even going to be able to keep Xavier Howard after his contract comes up? And I said something earlier about getting extra draft picks. And a lot of the time we talk about trading back, but there are other ways to get those draft picks too. And that's letting a guy walk in free agency and getting compensatory picks. You know, most of the time those are third or fourth round picks, which can be turned into really good draft picks if you're drafting with your vision and you're doing it right. Right. So I think that there's a possibility. I, I think the likelihood of us signing Xavier Howard to a long term contract this offseason is very slim. And there's a chance that if we can't get a higher than third round value for him in some sort of trade, that we end up letting him walk after next year and getting a compensatory pick. And I will even add that 
as well with Juwan James this year. I don't think we pay James. I think we draft offensive linemen out the the Yahoo, and and we end up letting him walk and get a compensatory pick for him. It's very possible. Yeah, that's it's very possible. You know, the way I'm looking at it, I I've said right along that I'd rather sign James, uh, even though it's liable to cost you, you know, nine million or so, but. Of recent, you know, lately I've been like kind of looking at the cap numbers and, you know, you pay him eight, nine, ten million dollars for, say, a four year deal, which is probably what he's going to want. You know, how effective will he be in three years when when the team is is uh, ready, ready, ready to be competitive? And while I've always liked Juwan James, he takes some games off, it seems, and isn't always yep. mentally with it in some games. Too inconsistent. Well, but, you know, this year he played sound. You know, you know they all seem to play really well their contract year, you know, with the... It's amazing. With, yeah, know. with the exception of Devontae Parker. <laughs> Devontae uh, Parker? Yeah, he's just a nitwit. But um, Speaking of no trade value. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I <laughs> can't even get a damn ham sandwich. But, you know... It's very difficult to justify paying that guy $10 million if he's going to, you know, once he gets his contract, is he going to go back to being inconsistent again? And now you've paid $10 million and he, he gives up that strip sack in the fourth quarter and now you're like, why did we pay this money? So, uh, you know, it's 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 touch and go. I'm torn on, on whether we sign him or not. Yeah, I just think the likelihood that we like a lot of these guys go, you know, none of them are Flores' guys. They might have a little bit of, of uh, connection to, to Greer, but I think that Flores is going to come in here and these guys who are wanting these big dollars aren't going to get them. Yeah, you mentioned Jones again, and I wanted to mention something. You know, Flores is probably going to have a conversation with Rashad Jones about what happened between him and Gase because... You know, if I'm a head coach and I'm looking at these contracts and I've got a big red flag about a guy that stomped his feet and wouldn't go back in the game, I'm going to have issue with that. So he's going to have to explain that away really well for me, you know, being in Flores' shoes to want to keep him around. If he is anything like the vein in which he just was bled from up in New England, you know Belichick doesn't put up with that shit. You know what I mean? So I, the likelihood that Flores puts up with that kind of behavior or that kind of uh, diva attitude is very slim. I can tell you I wouldn't. I mean, it, I would uh, give him his walking papers, and it was nice knowing you, and we'll always consider you a Miami Dolphin, but we need to Absolutely. move in another direction. <laughs> yeah, make sure we say that, right? Like, do we have to say that? Like, I love Rashad Jones as a player. What he's done for the Dolphins, the the way that he has performed on the field, I I, I will consider him a Dolphin forever. But I, at this point, uh, we're looking for the future. We're looking for three years, four years down the road, and he's already at the age and the dollar signs that I just don't see it as a possibility to keep him much longer. And people have to understand, you've got a little bit of a core now. You've got the kids who were drafted last year and the year before that are doing a little bit, and you've got uh, uh, the kids that will draft this year. And, and now all of a sudden, you know, you've got 10, 12 players who, who are contributing well, and, and then you go from there. You've got a draft after that, and you add another five, six players, and now you've got 18, 20 players somewhere in there. You've got the free agents that you picked up between now and then. So maybe you've got 25, 30 players who are really contributing. And uh, 
then it's just a matter of filling in the pieces however you can, whether it be trade, free agency, whatever it is you need to do. Uh, and I think it's a really, really good moment to point out the guys that we have brought in have experience in recruiting and scouting like Flores was a scout yep. and and the guy that Greer just brought in to be a secondhand man is known for having really good classes right and guys I, I just want to say this because I think it's really important we need to make sure that with this vision they're drafting with that they they just continue upon that looking for the future and the reason I say that guys is because I'm gonna say two names right now of guys who were undrafted right and that you're gonna know very well and and that's larry little and jim langer right these guys were undrafted and and in today's nfl maybe they would have been drafted but there's guys like zach thomas who went in the fifth round and jason taylor who went in the third mark clayton was a ninth mark clayton i think he was the eighth round pick i believe you know and then if you go somewhere else you got richard sherman and cam chancellor who are both fifth round picks so if we draft with a vision and we draft players that are going to fit in what Flores is doing and the rest of these these coaches are doing, the capabilities of adding a few picks here or there, even if they're compensatory picks, can be uh, the likelihood of success could be really high. Yeah, I am ex- more excited about our drafting moving forward. The, the last decade has been pretty sloppy, really, with Ireland and Tannenbaum in the mix, but you talked about all these these scouting guys, which is fantastic, and you mentioned a bunch of undrafted guys. Uh, you know, you look at Cameron Wake. Um, these guys, yep. you know, you can have all the talent in the world, and you can have all the measurables and all of the 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 speed and the, you know everything that they look for. And if you don't have the heart to want to go out there and and commit to each play. You're never gonna you're never gonna be an impact player. Uh, yeah, you know you could be a Devonte Parker and make some good catches. You know seven times a year, but you have to have the mental fortitude and the, and the physical heart desire to want to go out there and compete. And uh, that's the issue with some of these guys that we've drafted in the past. You know they've got the skill set, they just don't have the desire. I think. And and to add to the Cam Wake point. You know, he went up and played in the CFL. And so he, after he was undrafted out of Penn State, he was able to go and play in a league where he was able to put his skills on display. And now with the AAF, the guys that we have brought into our front office and our coaching staff who have experience in scouting and recruiting have another avenue to pursue guys who could possibly come in and contribute to the team. So, you know, we're going to be looking at a lot of different avenues to rebuild this team and I like you, Jim. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I mean, it, this is all in the wind. You know, we got a whole bunch of new guys, uh, young coaches, inexperienced coaches, but they've been involved with winning programs, which is fantastic. Uh, one of the guys that they've hired, uh, to me, is is a huge a huge piece, and it tells me a couple of things. Jim Caldwell. Uh, you know, some people say, ah, oh, he's never was that good. Blah blah blah, but. The guy's been around a lot of team, you know, players and teams. He's got a lot of experience. And this is one of the biggest things that I take from it is Brian Flores is smart enough to understand that he's going to need somebody with that experience to lean on. 
you know, other than that, Flores wouldn't have brought this, uh, this guy in here. And to me, that speaks volumes about Brian Flores and who he is. And he knows right now that he's going to need somebody to lean on, say, you know, he's got hedge coaching experience, he's got offensive coordinator experience. Uh, so, you know, I'm very optimistic moving forward that they're going to build this team up the right way. So we're going to have to see how things develop, but uh, let's uh, keep our fingers crossed. I love that hire. And I think as far as Flores is concerned, it speaks to a couple of really good traits, and that's his humility and his determination to turn this team around. Because without his humility, if it was just all ego, he'd be like, I can do it myself. And if he wasn't as determined as he is to make Miami a winner, he wouldn't be bringing in a guy like Caldwell. I, I love the hire. Yeah, I was, I was happy to see somebody with good experience coming in onto the team because, you know, the that, that's the biggest issue I had with Adam Gase is, is he thought he knew it all and he was going to be his way or the highway. And we all saw how that played out. Uh, you know, moving forward, he may become a, a, a Hall of Fame coach, but I think a bit of that arrogance cost him quite a bit there in Miami. Well, you know, you live and learn, right? Hopefully he learned a lesson and uh, he'll be a better coach after he leaves the Jets. <laughs> I was going to say, I was, about to, I was getting ready I was to, about smack, to freak out on you, I was you, about Mike. to smack you right through the, through the headset here. Damn. Uh, so it sounds to me like we are all in agreement on, on how we think that Miami needs to rebuild this team. It's the only way to do it. I want to, I want to I, I point something out. I Actually, I want to point something out, and then I want to play devil's advocate for a second. Okay, uh, all this is speculation on our part because we don't know what Flores and Greer's vision is. Wait a minute, I right? checked. And so I checked with my eight ball earlier. Well, I, it lies. I'm telling you, it lies. And, That's and, right. They all. Well, lie. I double checked. We don't lie. Greer, Greer, and uh, <laughs> Flores will I, lie, and Ross will lie, and you know you can't trust anything. I confirmed it with the crystal ball, though. <laughs> a little black, a little black ball, right? So, so the reason I ball. the reason I wanted to make sure that I pointed that out is because I want to play devil's advocate for a second. And the NFL has seen an influx of young talent at the quarterback position. You got a guy like Carson Wentz coming in playing at an MVP level. You got a guy like Patrick Mahomes coming in and taking the the NFL by storm and winning the MVP, right? And going to the AFC Championship game. So you got all the fans and everybody else who is super excited about uh, not only the 2020 class or, you know, sunshine in the 2021 class, but this kid, Kyler Murray. So say, say saying that we don't know what their vision is and maybe they fall in love with this guy at 13. Okay. The, there is something to be said for a quarterback who can come in and change the way your franchise looks and make plays when everything else has fallen down around him, right? So who's to say that Kyler Murray isn't the answer? He's not. <laughs> uh, again, I, again. Because when your left guard misses the block and that kid gets pancaked by a 320-pound defensive lineman, he's going to break in half. Yeah, he does I, He does look pretty fragile. But, you know, Daniel, we've... I don't... Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go. No, you finish your thought, no, Jim. I mean, we've talked about this right along. Uh, about drafting quarterbacks in in this you know on the page in the pods remember pat white he almost got a yeah yeah um <laughs> you know the, the the thing to me is that i always say if if the 
you know, everybody's in love management-wise, front office is in love with a quarterback, and they, and they are sure that he is the guy, then okay, go for it. Do what you got to do. But you're going to be into the same catch-22, you know, three years down the road. You know, if you're, if you're not successful building that line or you're building your defense, it's all for naught. So if you could get him at 13, I suppose it would be one option. But it's going to change the way the team is built moving forward. And Absolutely. I, I really would be reluctant to do that because the team needs too much work to grab a quarterback and then start using stop gaps again. Uh, yeah. so, so, you know, I mean, I, you know, Murray may be that guy, but he's like, he's like five, nine, one sixty. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, Drew Brees is, is really good, but, uh, you know, he's a, he's a freak and I, I don't, I don't I, know. He's a, Drew Brees is bigger than five, nine. I think the Pat, I think the Pat white, uh, reference was a really good point there because he does kind of remind you of a pat white doesn't he yep but so i, I want to step back for a second because guys i don't think kyler murray is the answer either right and and my belief structure as far as what the team needs to do is completely different than taking a quarterback in the first round but if if a team can score a lot of points it makes the defense look better right and i'm going to tell you right now because i've i've watched some ty- some some murray play Right, he's going to take the combine by storm, and he he is going to shoot skyrocket up draft boards in the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months, and it's going to be a real crapshoot as far as what's going to happen with that kid and what we do if he's sitting there. Yeah, he's exciting, but you won't be excited when he's sitting on injured reserve. Yeah, the the thing with me is it's a quarterback starved league, and all the the fan bases all need instant gratification. They want to feel good about their team. And this whole rebuilding thing isn't what they want to hear. So, you know, it's always more exciting to go for that quarterback or that edge rusher or somebody that's going to, you know, dance in the end zone after he makes a touchdown catch. Uh, And that's fantastic. But to me, we have way too many core pieces. The unflashy players, you know, the D linemen and the offensive linemen that don't score touchdowns and they don't make interceptions and they don't throw passes. These are the people that we need more importantly for the to build a core team. So uh, I agree. We've got two players who I consider to be elite or close to elite, and that would be Tunsil and Howard. That's it. That's about it. Is there another one? No. Nope. I don't think so. I don't think there is. No, so. I think he, I think he nailed it on the head there. And you know, I want to make sure that we point out here that none of us hope that Kyler injured, Kyler Murray will end up on the injured reserve. But I do kind of feel the same way. I think he's just too small. Well, and, history tells you that if you look at these running type quarterbacks, you know the the kids who run around a lot tend to get hurt more. It, it's it's not hard to figure out. I mean, it it happens. The key point. Uh, for the only Murray, exception though, to that really has has been Russell Wilson. He's so far escaped it, but uh, most of them they do get hurt. And Murray's accuracy is something that you you've got to look at though, and and it's going to be something that's really uh, they're going to just drool over it. So we'll see what happens. And I I don't think it's the answer, but I wanted to make sure that I played devil's advocate for a second. 
I I think secretly you want him, don't you? I do not know, and I would appreciate oh, okay. it if you never said that again. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> uh, so who, who who if you could have your pick, who would you want? At thirteen? No, no, I'm talking quarterback this year, next year, whatever. Uh, I want Fromm. I want Jake okay. Fromm coming out of Georgia next year. Okay. I think he's going to be a really good NFL quarterback. I've seen a little bit of him because my son's a Georgia fan, so I, I do happen to watch Georgia more than I watch most teams. But uh, I don't know. i got to see more of these quarterbacks before I'm going to know who I'm going to want. Yeah, I'm not really sold uh, on any of them just yet. Yeah, not, not a Tua fan. No, huh? not really. Not a Tua fan either. Uh, I no. mean, he, but I will say that I think Will Greer is going to be sitting there in the second or third round with all these quarterbacks this year, guys. I think even though that kid out of uh, Oregon Herbert didn't come out, I think that uh, Will Greer is going to slide. You know, they still got Drew Locke to pick too, so Greer's going to slide, and and he may be there in the third round. Watch for that. Yep. Uh, you wanted to make a shout out, didn't you, Dan? Yeah, so I just wanted to make sure I said hello and thanks for listening to some of our podcast friends. And and I mentioned Melissa earlier. Sorry about the Cam Wade comment, Melissa. Uh, We know how much you love him, uh, but we think that he's going to end up playing his last down as a Miami Dolphin. Uh, Elma Galvin Joyner, we love you. Matt Hawk, uh, I can't stand your Penn State Nittany Lions, but uh, thanks for being such a good contributor for us, and we appreciate you. I don't think that Matt listens to the show. I think you're wasting your time. Yeah, I don't think he does either. And then the other two, Matts, Clayton and Basinger, thanks for all you do. I don't think Matt has the ability to listen to the show. He uses a work phone. I don't think he can listen to it. Uh, Yeah, and of of course, we're talking about our facebook page miami dolphins hashtag number one we'd be glad to have you sign up over there and join us in 24 7 dolphins talk hey, if i started throwing shout outs i probably wouldn't stop so i'm not going to start <laughs> there's just a few people that i that i've seen recently that uh that i've always got something good to say and and jim just touched on it we are uh, a fan group for the miami dolphins that's how we started this podcast you can find us there at miami dolphins hashtag number one that's where we have all of these conversations on a regular basis we'd love to get your feedback we'd love for you to join us come there are we a civil there i don't know we are we, we are <laughs> oh okay. yes yes absolutely okay. All right, guys, I want to thank uh, you guys for joining me uh, this evening and uh, thank everybody for listening. Um, Yes, please like, listen, and share the podcast. Subscribe. Absolutely share. Share, share, share. Yes, and and comment. Let us know how we're doing. Yep. All right, so we've done another show. Uh, You guys know this has been our 29th show. Number Uh, 29, baby. Number 29. So... uh, That'll be that. And uh, we always end the show with a big, loud fins up. Fins up. Fins up. Good night, guys. See ya.